I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to one of the 10 best English-language Fiorentina podcasts on the internet. Welcome to Viola Station. I'm sure at this point you guys have missed us these past few weeks. Great news. We're back. And speaking of being back, we still have two games left. Two games to bring ourselves back to Europe. Tito, I'm sure at this point you're all but guaranteeing a return to Europe now, right? Why why are you going to throw me that, man? That's a terrible way to start this. But no, no, no. Come uh, on. Producer Mike, can we can we cut this and just restart from scratch? Oh my god, this is a mess. <laughs> uh, okay, now okay, now I really do have to ask. McMike, what have you been drinking to start us out like that? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I don't know if I'm just trying to throw in the jinx or what, but uh, I guess we're trying to th- throw some good vibes out there. Nothing today. Last night, I will tell you, we had a lot of good wine. Uh, almost felt like we made our way around uh, around Tuscany. Started out with a uh, Brunello, uh, followed up with a Bulgari, then went over to Montepulciano, and then had a Chianti afterwards. So uh, it was a good night. Just uh, going with the water today in anticipation of heading back to work tomorrow. I know Ooh. you're not doing that, though. What are you drinking? Uh, wait for it. Got a uh, Outer Planet, the little local brewery near me that I hang out at uh, fairly regularly. They have their ESB on tap right now. Just just tapped it, got it in a can, and it is. Yeah, it's really nice. And yeah, I feel like uh, just wrapped up my uh, Sunday league, snuck into the playoffs last spot, and so I feel Ooh. like I deserve a beer for that. Well, congratulations. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. But uh, let's go ahead and uh, 
let's go ahead and jump into the into the meat of this. I guess as always, we'll start with birthdays. Uh, the one that I want to pull up is one Lucas Martinez Cuarta, uh, turned twenty six this past Tuesday, the tenth of March. So happy birthday, Lucas! I know it hadn't quite been the season he was uh, anticipating. Maybe as Igor jumped past him, but then again, having Igor elbow past you in the uh, in the depth chart is something that can happen to anyone because those are some big meaty elbows on that fella. No doubt, yeah. no doubt. Now, just out of curiosity, twenty six years old as as you pulled that up. I, I guess I thought he was a little bit younger. Does, yeah, me too. That, does, does that change anything for you, knowing that he's turning 26 right now? Not really. I think he's still a. I mean, he's still a good defender. Uh, and I, I think uh, next year, assuming that Milenkovic leaves, which is seeming fairly likely at this point. Yep, linked uh, think, everywhere. Yeah, I think LMQ is going to be a a great partner for Igor. I think they're going to have a a good partnership. And yeah, 26. Man, look at us. 26 is still so young. So young. Isn't that right, producer Mike? Uh, so we're going <laughs> to, now that we're done with that, and we're, you know, we're thinking about our own mortality a little bit, uh, let's go ahead and talk about Europe, because what else could cheer us up more? Uh, you, you, you really think they're going to qualify, huh? I have to. I have to, right? Just uh, positive mental <laughs> attitude? You're just going for it? I'm going for it. I'm going for it. You know, it, it, it's pretty interesting. We, we had the ability to wrap this thing up. Had we won those two games, Salernitana, like, what, what, what in the world happened there, right? You know, Udinese should have been, again, another game that you feel confident in. <laughs> Never. But if, if we win those games at this point, especially after, you know, beating Roma, I mean, come on. Like, that was... Very, very unexpected. I, I actually had us losing that game. But had we won the games that we should have won, we're already in in the Europa League. And the, the rest of the table is just shaping up where they're really, really trying to get us into Europe. Sixth or seventh doesn't necessarily matter, but they're really trying to get us into Europe. I have to believe at this point we're getting there. Have to. Oh boy, I and, 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 no? oh no! I I can remember all too well 2018 when Fiorentina had two games left, one against a relegation threatened team and one against a top four team, and just needed to win one to guarantee it. And I remember them dribbling down their legs and losing at home to Cagliari, and then getting shelled by Milan, five uh, one in the in the final in the final game of the season. So I'm, I'm thinking about that. Uh, I'm I'm more superstitious than you, I guess, and less positive mental energy kind of guy. Uh, so yeah, at, at this point, I'm I'm not guaranteeing anything. We are recording this on a uh, Sunday afternoon right now, uh, so we do know that Milan beat Atalanta. So Fiorentina, mm -hmm. if they beat Sampdoria tomorrow on Monday, which again, who plays on a Monday? That's so stupid. Uh, if Fiorentina win that game, they are guaranteed to make at least the Conference League, and they could still sneak into the Europa League as well, uh, even before having to deal with those uh, the Juve nuts up the road. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, uh, what do you, Mike, do you think it's going to be Conference League or Europa League? Wow. You know, so, so that, that's tricky. So, so I, I am going to be bullish. We're going to get Europe. 
you know, Atalanta is just giving it to us at this point. Um, you know, Roma seems to be kind of going through that Jose Mourinho flop that we kind of predicted. A Which couple we podcasts called ago, right? literally at the start of the year, by the way. We did. We did. And, and, and they're, they're probably looking forward more so to the Europa Comp- uh, Conference League final. Um, which means they may look past Torino. Which Torino, who are good, too. Very good team. Easily can draw that game, which definitely plays in our favor there if we get results over the next two games. Now, the only trick there, because that leaves open the fact that Roma can still qualify if they win that uh, that that uh, Champions uh, uh, Europa Conference uh, final there. So, you know, there's there's a couple tricky things. So I definitely going to make it into into Europe. Uh, I, I'm not going to be as bullish on the Europa League just because I think Roma has too many ways to win it at this point or to get in at this point. Dang, I I am genuinely impressed with how confident you are. I cannot believe you are jinxing things that hard, man. <laughs> and, and, I can't then, believe you, you right now. You you that's fine. You can throw it on me. I will oh take it. I... We're going to get there. We are going to get there. If anything happens, I am holding you personally responsible, man. Not, really not the am. fact that we don't score any goals, um, but um, yes, no, me that too, being that confident. Too. But uh, yep. okay, well, t- tell you what. Here, well, let's let's zoom this out even a little bit. If Fiorentina don't qualify for Europe, has this season been a success? Uh, can, can, can we can we break it down, or is it is it does it have to be as black and white as that? Uh, well, I mean. This being Fiorentina and knowing how we feel about all things Bianco Nero, uh, I'll, I'll say you could add some nuance there if you want to. All right, all right, all right. So, so has it been progress? Absolutely. I mean, there's been a significant amount of progress. Uh, it's a success if, even if we don't make it to Europe, if at the end of the season, Italiano is not only kept, but re-upped, and we have a very good Mercado that invests in this team pushing for Europe next year. But there has to be momentum because there's been progress. But progress is only progress if we don't have momentum carrying it into next year. Uh, I I still believe that we're going to get to Europe. And if we get to Europe, everything else aside, absolutely successful. Uh, Just a a brilliant kind of year from Italiano. Really, Really overachieving based off of the circumstances that I think he's had throughout the year, losing Vlahovic. Um, you, you know, you have, you have uh, Kestervili who's been playing great recently and then just blows apart his knee. Um, you know, the, the January Mercado wasn't very good at all. So, you know, you have to, you have to start thinking about all the, all the mental things that he's gone through. And then, you know, from a player standpoint, I, th- I think that they've responded very well to everything he's done. So, listen, I, I think it's been a successful year. <laughs> I think it's been a successful year, um, even if we don't get there, if we keep the momentum going into next year by keeping Italiano and having a very good Mercado. A lot of yeah. money coming in. See, I'm, I'm looking at it a little differently. I think even like this year has just been such a turnaround from the past two. I mean, with, with two games left, Fiorentina have 19 more points than they had last year. Last year, they finished with 40. They have added 50, almost 50% more points with two games remaining. That is an unbelievable turnaround to me, no yep. matter what happens after 
Uh, just another uh, another fun couple of numbers. They've scored nine more goals than they did last season. They've conceded 12 fewer. The goal difference has improved by, wait for it, 21. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's nuts. That is such a turnaround. I, I yep. cannot think of a... I cannot think of a whole lot of teams that have just pivoted that hard over one year in recent Serie A history. So no, no matter how it plays out from here, this has been a successful year. Seen a pivot that hard. It's the opposite direction. Yep. 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 (laughs) It's usually from borderline competence to, uh, you know, uh, whatever we saw for the past couple, three years. So yeah, no, I mean, I think no matter how you shake it, this has to be a hugely successful season. And I, but yeah, the obstacles you were talking about, I'll take it back even further. I mean, not just selling uh, your leading scorer in January, which is really tough to uh, to come up with. But let's remember, you remember the start of the year? Uh, General Gattuso and the Jorge Mendes fiasco like that. That was not exactly an auspicious beginning to a season. Uh, all, the, all the guys who missed most of training camp under Italiano uh, so that would be Nico Gonzalez and Castrovilli, Lucas Martinez Cuarta, all missed that. So they didn't. None of them quite hit the ground running uh, in terms of being on the same page with tactics with the rest of the team. I think, yeah, losing Castrovilli, Jack Bonaventura to injury, uh, Alvaro Odriozola, who's who is supposed to be back uh, for these last two games, from what I hear. Uh, no, I, I think that Italiano's and his team—they've overcome so much to be where they are. If they end up failing a little bit in these last two games, I think it's still been a successful season, and it means you have so much you can build on. Again, this being Fiorentina, so much that might not be built on. We might just see a foundation sitting out there in the countryside, just soaking in the rain until the uh, until nature reclaims it and the trees grow over it, the vines pull the concrete apart. But the foundation is there, and I think that is really impressive. And I think that means it has been a successful season, full stop. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm listen, with you. We, we haven't even taken into consideration the other thing that that uh, Italiano's had to deal with this year, which is the Cajon uh, playing clause in his contract. I mean, Cajon has Alleged. to come and play every game, apparently. Alleged. Alleged. <laughs> uh, we got we got legal pounding on the door right now, mm-hmm. holding up signs to the uh, to the recording booth glass. We don't know for a fact that's the case. It would it would be a convenient solution. It would explain everything that would we've explain watched a few things. Yep. Holy smokes, man! Uh, yeah, not oh boy, that too has just not been very fun. But uh, I mean, it's not really Jose Maria Callejon who's the problem. Like I mean, we talked about Vlaovic. We will be talking more about Vlaovic later on. See oh, that yeah. little see that little teaser for uh, what comes after the break. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go ahead and talk about strikers because I know this is a subject near and dear to your heart when we're talking about your former large adult son who's now been it written out of the will. It was nearer and dearer to my heart. Now it's a little bit, a uh, little bit more foreign at this point. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, let's start out talking about Arthur Cabral, who has definitely seized the starting role from Christoph Biontech and is clearly the uh, right now looks like the team's future. What have you made of Cabral so far? Well, first thing is, I'm not exactly sure that he seized the starting spot from Piontek or if this this club is playing it smart and giving the minutes to Cabral just to see what he could do with them and and to see what he's going to be to help with planning for the future. I mean, that that's kind of the way I take it. 
I, I, I can't say that I'm disappointed in Cabral. Um, you know, if you, if you ask me if, if he's been good, I would say, yeah, he's, he's been decent, but he hasn't scored. He's not, he's, he's not scoring. And that's the whole entire idea behind the striker here at this point. And when you're going from what we had, which was Dusan Vlahovic, who was setting the world on fire, to now Arthur Cabral and Piontek, and it's it's a black hole of goals. I mean, it is. I, I, I've been calculating the numbers over the past few weeks that we've played, and with the exception of getting a couple get goals against Roma, which just amazed me, uh, and, and ironically, none of those came from Cabral. Uh, you know, we were at that coming into that game, we were averaging 1.04 goals a game since Dusan Vlahovic left. Okay. That, that has to be a direct. That has to be a direct correlation to Piontek and Cabral. Absolutely, so I, yeah. I, I think he's been good, and and I know you're going to bring up the hold up play and the linking play. Oh, I'm going to go beyond that. I'm going to I'm going to start some. Did. Oh, I'm going to throw some numbers right back at you. I, I want to hear them. You know, you know, I, I know you did your research here. I oh. know I'm ready for it, but I'm still, I'm still saying that he's been decent. I'm still not convinced that he's our number one going into next year, or, or he should, I'm not convinced he should be the number one going into next year. And so, I'll give an example. We've so been linked to Pedro. If Pedro comes in, I actually think that job Pedro is the number one striker on the team with Cabral learning from him and getting some minutes and possibly overtaking him throughout uh, next year. I, I'm not convinced that we're going to be able to get 10 plus goals from Cabral next year. So that, that's, that's it. And I'll turn it over to you. I, so per the numbers for non penalty XG per 90 minutes. So, you know, like how many goals, how many XG a player gets per 90 minutes without like not including penalties. Dusan Vlaovic this year is at 0.39, which is a fairly good mark. Would you like to guess what uh, Arthur Cabral's non-penalty XG per 90 is? I'm, I'm going to guess that it's going to be higher. You um, would guess I right. Even, I, I wouldn't would guess even right. understand this. <laughs> okay, but go ahead. It is, so it, is, it is 0.47, so that means he is averaging, basically, he should be scoring one non-penalty goal every other game. He hasn't played should that. Should, hang Has on. He? Bear with me. Bear with me. Part of this is because he has not played enough minutes. Like he doesn't go 90 very often. Uh, so he hasn't played that many minutes. He does have two goals in the league. So basically, if he had scored one more, if he'd finished one more, he'd be right, right where we think he is. He'd be doing great. Uh, I'm also going to say that I think a lot of the problem here is not about uh, him finishing. I think a lot of it is how he plays. We've talked about the hold-up play. He's very good at it. He's a lar- He's a he's a robust-looking fella. But I think a Pretty lot. Cut. Of, yeah, cut. yeah. That celebration more so yeah. than I thought. Yeah, he's yeah. I thought he was a little bit schlubby, and I don't think he is schlubby. Uh, Producer Mike is saying that is a uh, thick with two C's is perhaps the correct word. Uh, I think. Mike, we're both too old for for that, so we're just going to move on here. Um, <laughs> I, I think the thing that really stands out to me about Cabral is that his uh the the like if you calculate how many touches he makes per ninety minutes in the attacking third, 
there are 16 Fiorentina players on the roster right now who average more. That is a huge problem. Mm-hmm. To me, that means two things. One, he, he's just not getting service. He's not which getting... You no, know, it, it's been an issue. That, that's which definitely has. been an Absolutely. issue. We've discussed yeah. it for years. No, very much. The other thing, I think, is that he is so focused on hold-up play and on moving uh, the, def- the other team's defenders around so that the wingers can get in. I think that he frequently drops too deep and basically takes himself out of plays. So I think I think that's something he does need to work on. I think, you know, look at how often he pops up showing deep to pick up the ball, like closer to his own box than to mid than to the midfield line. Like it's nice to have that outlet. He helps the team progress the ball, but then once they get going forward, he's so far out of the picture. He's not in the box to finish the ch- any chance that might come. And so to me, that is really the issue. I think that that is something that will change uh, as he gets on the same page with the team and with Italiano's tactics. It's not like he forgot how to score goals. Look at, I mean, look at his track record at Basel the past couple of years. He scored a lot of goals. A guy who scores. Yeah. Also in the Champions League, also in Europe. I mean, he can score. And and here's what I'll say is Dusan Vlahovic scored a lot of goals at Fiorentina hasn't scored a lot of goals at Juve. And I would venture a guess that with your math that you did, it included those Massimo Allegri games where Jujan is not getting the service. Yeah. So if you go back to what Fiorentina fans were expecting from that striker position while Dujan was here, those numbers would be much, much higher. They would be higher. but Much higher. They would be higher. But again, I think it goes to show that Cabral, in this vacuum that statistics provide us, which doesn't exist, but, you know, let's ignore that whole thing because otherwise this conversation completely collapses. Right. I think it shows, (laughs) I think it shows that Cabral is clearly a good player. He's getting in the right places. Finishing is an inherently noisy thing. Like sometimes a striker just misses a couple of good chances. It doesn't mean they're not a good finisher. It just means they had bad luck. And for Cabral, it's been, he's been in Florence at this point for less than half a season. He's Mm -hmm. only been the starter for what a month and a half. Yeah. So like one miss is going to skew his numbers so badly. So no, I, yeah. I don't I don't think it's time to worry about him yet. And and as I'm trying to rack my brain, I'm trying to think of many misses. I, I can't think of many misses that he's had. So I'll give it to you. I think a lot of it is I think it's service, yeah. Playing. Yeah. I think it is the playing, the, the positioning that he has. Yes. But and again, I played everybody knows at this point, I did not play soccer except for one year as a first grader. And I was still a big fat kid. So I, I realized as I was running on a big field with grass that I needed a huddle. So, so I was, I was a, an American football player. And then I played basketball because, you know, baseline to baseline was okay. You had to stop every once in a while. Um, you know, be, being a striker is a mentality thing. Like, you know, Dushan had that. And I think that's why we loved him. He, he was hard on himself. He was hard on his teammates but he was making a beeline to that goal. There's one thing you knew about Vlahovic, and he was going to get his head, his foot, something on the ball in that box to have an opportunity for a shot. Right, but it That's took him, it took him a while with. to get there. It did take him a while to get there, right? Different it's ages, developed, though, too. That might, much, much well, younger. Not that much younger. I mean, like two, two years. It's not that much. But, I mean, also, I think Arthur, one, talking about mindset, one of the things I really like about him is whenever he misses a chance, He's furious with himself. Yeah. Whenever one yeah. of his whenever one of his teammates misses a chance, he's the first guy to go over and like 
putting arm around like it's okay you'll get the next one so to me yeah. that, that's clearly he's got a good a good mindset and one that i think is going to work well within a team so now I, I think give him a full off season uh for italiano to work with him to say stop dropping back and getting into lucas Torreira's area just stay up there and elbow center backs and make them very uncomfortable and i think he'll be fine i really do but t- tell you what man if you're if you're not sold on arthur uh who, who do you think Fiorentina should get in as a striker next year? Or even, even like what kind of striker stylistically do you think would fit? It, it's, it's a good question. I, I guess we have to start oh, thinking about it is. I mean, you know, at, at this point we have to start thinking about what the Mercado is going to look like. We have a lot of money coming in. There's, you know, debate around how much money we're going to be spending. Rocco has spent a lot. On the team, he spent a lot on the um, uh, Centro Sportivo. And, uh, you know, some out there are questioning if there's going to be a big budget, knowing that we already have to sign to Rea. Um, You know, how much How much are you going to spend? We know Odriozola is not going to be staying. That's the news yeah. out there because it doesn't fit into the wage scale, despite the fact that it would be a dry loan, which I'm completely against. I, I think we should be uh, you know, bringing him back on a dry loan and paying the 4 million euros. I get it. Um, but, you know, coming back to your question, uh, you know, producer Mike has been hell bent on bringing Belotti into, uh, into Florence. Copy uh, I'm, do. I, I'm, I'm on that wagon. I think that that's a great move. I think that that's a great move. There's a proven goal scorer uh, when he's not flopping on the field. He's always <laughs> around the box and, and putting that ball in, in the net. You, and I think that he would also do himself a good justice by having a leap of, of quality and teammates, which Fiorentina is over what he has today. I mean, I'll say Nico Gonzalez or Simone Zaza. Tough, 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 but not actually tough. Uh, yeah, also, yeah, I mean, you know and if, more players, you know, I think, we, you know, we have to take a look at, at what uh, we've put together. I mean, we have some decent players there. I, but as producer Mike points out, Torino does yeah. have a certain chiseled jawed yeah. young yep. midfielder whose name we don't need to mention, but it is Samuel yeah. Ricci. Because uh, it echoes in my, in, in my <laughs> dreams, yes. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm real glad we're not in there. So, so you, you think that uh, Belotti is the best option to bring in? Him and the and the other profile, I think we should look for if we're going to spend money. It has to be for a different, younger, change of pace type. Here's where I'm with you. Yep. Thank you. Yes. And Augustin Alvarez, and that's who we were linked to before. So I'm going to throw out that name. Um, I I I like that type of profile. You know, 20 coming from South America, um, hungry to show the world what he can do in Europe and uh is still relatively cheap last that i read milan tabled a 14 million euro uh offer for 80 percent the team sent back and said we want 15 okay well you know the harder thing is getting him to come to us versus milan but 15 million for 80 percent isn't a lot for for a a pretty world-class striker at this point or potentially world-class striker so so I, I think that if we're not going below T, uh, I'm not in the Cavani um, spectrum at all here. I, I, I completely disagree with that. I, I think we need to go with the younger profile 
that could increase over value because we tend to sell players that get good over the next year or two after we sign them. So that's what I'm looking at. No, that's that's reasonable. I'm mostly with you on that. Uh, well, let's pick. Let's talk Cavani for a sec. That has been uh, a topic of great discussion recently, right? I don't. I actually don't think he would be a terrible fit stylistically. Uh, if you watch Man United, which I don't know why you would, because it's just like hitting yourself in the balls with a ball bean hammer over and over. I hate Man United. Uh, hate well, you, you must be thrilled then. Uh, oh, he, love it. He's, I think he's the only attacker on that team who looks like he's got anything at this point. The way that he presses is really, really intelligent. I don't think I've ever seen a striker who is as good at closing down passing angles from the front. So I think Italiano would love him. Uh, he's also still a decent finisher. I mean, the problem for me is Cavani, I mean, one, he's older than I am, which is not generally a great player or a great quality in a professional athlete. Uh, so, yeah, and, and I mean, the wages would probably be astronomical. So if he's willing to accept a big... making 12 or 13 million euros at this point, right? I mean, I mean, if he wanted to take, you know, 10, 11 mil off of that, sure. Otherwise, probably not. But like stylistically, I don't think he's a terrible fit as a backup. The thing is, as a backup, I'm with you. I want someone who offers a change of pace. And for me, especially because uh, what, a lot of what we've seen this year is Fiorentina struggling to break down a side that just parks the bus. I want someone who is going to help them do that. And to me, that means you look for the very, very large boys. And to me, that means there's two pretty good options. Uh one is Lorenzo Luca, who started out scorching hot in Serie B. Uh, we might say he's cooled down a bit since then. He, uh, he was the next coming. He was. He, he, lo he looked like the next Luca Toni for a sec. Not so much these days, but I still think there's a good player there. Someone who's that tall and has some skill and isn't just, you know, gangly Peter Crouch, like just a tall person, I think is an interesting player. I don't know if he's quite ready for this step. So he might be the kind of guy you buy and then send on loan, like to the bottom of Serie A for a year and see what happens. Uh, the other guy I'm really interested in is Milan Juric out of, uh, out of Salernitana. I mean, he's what 31 now. He is not a star. He's not going to score a lot of goals. He's not going to do a whole lot of anything except for be unbelievably tall. And you just ping the ball at his head and he's going to do something. And when you're when you're playing against a team that's just going to defend deep in numbers, that's a really useful quality. So to me, a guy like Milan Djuric, who wouldn't cost anything, I mean, he would, what that's like a three, four million euro fee, and he's probably going to ask for five hundred thousand a year. That is such. A, to me, that is a really intelligent investment. You're getting someone who will help the team who can play the role up front and who can bring something completely different than anyone else on the roster. So players like that, I think are what I'm interested in. Give me, give me, give me the really, really, really large boys, please. He's a little bit older though, isn't he? Yeah. He's 31. I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Which, uh, again, just decrepit ancient. You open the crypt <laughs> and there he is. Right. Like, yeah, no, I mean, I mean, very much a short-term solution, no resale value whatsoever. But he's the kind of player who can come in and do a job, perform a role. And I, I think Fiorentina doesn't have a striker like that specifically who can come in and change the game, and Durich would. 
I mean, we've seen that. Fiorentina had no idea how to deal with him. Nikola Milenkovic, who is one of the best aerial defenders in Serie A, got Milan Djuric on him was like, what the hell do I do with this enormous human? This is this is absurd. And it worked. Solaritana won by just hammering the ball into your <laughs> into Jurich's noggin. I mean, Fiorentina could do that and then have Nico Gonzalez on the end of those knockdowns or Jonathan Nicone or Gaetano Castrovilli once he's healthy or Jack Bonaventura. I think that's a perfectly adequate no, plan. No, Domenico Berardi? You, you don't want to bring up that name? It's that. No, I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, Italiano wants it to happen, but... Well... Uh, you know, I, 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 I'm fine with that. And I guess... You know, when you start taking a look at these older players that are going to be the role players behind the ball, I guess it really, for me, has to has to be more concerned about what is the outcome this year. If we qualify for Europe and we're focused on increasing our finish in the table next year and going deep into whatever European competition we get, I'm fine with that. If... It's like we have been for many years and Fiorentina fans don't have Europe, don't have something to watch and, and, and hope for. Then I think, you know, what Fiorentina fans historically needed was that young, talented goal scoring threat that was up and coming. I'll speak for myself. Like, you know, even when we were awful, not that long ago. Which I was going to say, what, like 12 months ago? <laughs> um, you know, the, the things that, that helped us were the Kiesas, the Vlahoviches. Like, you need to have those types of personalities and profiles that you know are coming up and will eventually help the squad. Um, so, yeah, again, if we, if we make it to Europe, I'm, I'm all in. I'm all in. If not, I think we need that young profile. No, but I, you know what? That's a fair point. Yeah, having like the next young star who then when they get sold, we're all absolutely furious is an important part of Fiorentina. Yeah, it is. And uh, Yeah, I'm yeah. not sure who that is. I mean, I, I still, I'm holding out that it might be Cabral. I am holding out eternal. I mean, you know me, I'll always carry a, a torch for Ricardo Sotil in whatever way possible. Uh, oh God, he's so beautiful. Uh, yeah, no, but I mean, I think the, those players right now for Fiorentina are probably in defense, which is interesting. Uh, I mean, I think that Igor is probably the, I would say he's probably been the most impressive, like out of nowhere, central defender in Serie A this year. Um, Some inconsistencies recently, but but, I mean, yeah, no doubt out of a defender too. Surprise me. Yeah, I mean, he's just been incredible. So, yeah, having, like, one or two more young guys who are just on the verge of exploding. I mean, Nico Gonzalez, 23, Jonathan Icone, 20. Like, they're still young players, mm-hmm. too. Like, let's not act like they're the finished article. So I think they, they they fit that description as well. But, yeah, I can see where you're coming from with that. I think, to me, if, as you are so convinced, Fiorentina are going to be in Europe next year, yep. uh, finding these functional backups guys like Milan Jiric who can do a job for cheap is going to be really yep. important because you're going to be competing on so many fronts and you don't, you know, you don't want to wear your guys out too much, especially given the way that Italiano has them playing with it's, it's just so much running so much sprinting. you got to have a lot of squad depth. And I think one of the easiest ways to build that depth is to buy these cheap veterans who don't have resale value 
because like what's cool right now everyone plays football manager buys all the teenagers whose potential is really high and that's what teams are doing now too like look at uh real madrid they aren't buying superstars anymore they're buying guys like vinicius jr and eduardo camavinga and rodrigo they're buying these teenagers who are going to be really good but they grab them a little bit before and that i mean iox same thing like that's what teams are trying to do now and i think the market inefficiency has gotten to the point where grabbing these veterans is probably a lot of the times a cheaper and more effective way to build a team in some ways now i would like to see fiorentina incorporate some of that as long as it doesn't involve another Jose Callejon or uh, unnamed <laughs> Russian felon. Well, yeah, Anyways, definitely not. Well, now that we've I mean, ended we had up, to learn from that lesson, right? Right? Come on. Really? You don't know. I mean, I mean, I'm trying to think of how many other Russian felon players they could buy. Uh, Babel Mamaev, who was Kokorin's uh, buddy in that little incident, series of incidents, good lord, uh, is the only one who jumps to mind. Uh, let's see. There was that Brazilian goalkeeper who murdered his partner a few years ago. Maybe that's the next one. Uh, yeah. I, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I sure hope they never do anything like that again. That's still maybe the most ashamed I've ever been to be a Fiorentina supporter. Yeah, and, and and I guess the fact that Cyril Tirio left not that long ago. Oh boy, what a! And knob. then we did this shortly afterwards. But you know, you get rid once, of. Shame on you! Shame fool me twice. Shame on. What, what about three times? I don't. I don't know. Fool me three times. Shame on Daniela Prade. I think is kind of where we gotta go there, man. Uh, all right. We'll tell you what. Let's let's go ahead and change tacks here a little bit, because uh, I think we we've kind of touched on this a lot. Uh, just in this episode, but also it's a thing that we've kind of discussed previously uh, on other episodes. Why why is it the Fiorentina plays so much better against good teams and always looks helpless against bad teams? Mm. Mike, mm. what the hell is this about, please? And thank you. Mm. 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 Wow. My I, brother like... in Christ, you're making noises. What's going on here? I, I I feel like this is uh, answering this question and figuring it out would be like kind of finishing the Duomo, right? You know, the well, cathedral was 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 left left uncapped for a hundred years, whatever it was. And I mean, they did it though. They they did it, yeah. And and look how beautiful that thing is. I mean, it's <laughs> you know honestly the most awe inspiring uh, piece of architecture that you'll ever step foot in front of. Um, I, I I don't know. I don't know. I mean, at this point, it's kind of, it, I wouldn't say laughable. Definitely predictable. Definitely predictable. The, the piece that I didn't predict, though, was, was that we would beat Roma. Yeah, how we lose to Salernitana. I mean, that 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 was just, that was disappointing. Yes. Um, especially <laughs> since we had so much to play for. So and much to play for. I, and I think you just hit the nail on the head. So I've, I've been thinking about this a lot recently. And I think you can separate it into two areas, uh, tactical and mental. And I think the mental thing, it's so much harder to play against a team. In some ways, it's so much harder to play against a team that everyone expects you to beat. Because that team doesn't have to take any initiative. It's basically, you have to go out there and do everything. And the other team can just sit deep and counter. 
and you know that, and you know that that's all they're going to do, and they're going to be tough to break down, and you have to commit numbers forward, you have to always make the right decision, and I think that mentally that's really draining in a way that would, like when you're playing against, I don't know, a bigger team, it isn't, because you're not expected to win, you can just go out and play, you don't have that weight of expectation on you, you're not carrying that burden, and I think that might be the next thing that Italiano has to really really changed this team's mindset and i mean he's done an incredible job of that already like i'm not i'm not saying like oh he needs to change the mindset this is terrible but the way what he has done with these players mentally and like in how they think about the game is monumental it really is and i am in awe of how he's managed to do that i think the next step is getting them to play with that same attitude that same swagger against the small teams that they do against the big ones so, so to be the mental part of that is a really big thing. And I don't think they've quite grasped that. I think they still get a little bit anxious. I mean, I think against Roma, I mean, one, you know, getting a penalty in the second minute certainly yep. helps. But also look at how Roma set out in that game. Uh, normally, the, the, the team that's ahead in the standings, the bigger team, they're going to be a team that wants to have the ball. They want to control the pace. They want to push higher up. They want to score the goals. Roma came out in that game with one striker, one attacking mid, and, and like four central midfielders and three defenders. They were so clearly not going to take the initiative. And then once they conceded an early penalty, they had no way to take that initiative. Just those players aren't going to do that. And so it made it really easy for Fiorentina to play because they knew. Roma has to commit numbers forward. They're going to leave spaces. We can attack those. We're good enough to pass and make them chase us. That almost never happens against bigger teams. And I think that's why Fiorentina looked so good in that one and why they won. I, I think that's the that's the other piece of it is the this tactical side. Yeah. Is that it's just, it's really hard to break down a team that parks nine players in the box. And like in Serie A, I mean, you know, without dealing in stereotypes in any big top tier league, defenses tend to be really well organized mm-hmm. at the bottom of the table. Like the, the I mean, we make fun of guys like Beppe Yakini or like, you know, who insert your English equivalent anywhere. We make fun of these limited tacticians. Oh, it's just defensive. It's just defensive. It's they're not actually playing. Being able to do that takes a lot of skill and ability these coaches are in Serie A for a reason. They're really good at what they do. And these players, same thing. Like, yeah, you know, if you're playing for Salernitana, odds are you're not going to make the jump straight to, like, a Champions League club. You're still an incredibly good player. You're in Serie A. And so I think that if you get players like that who are really good at sitting deep, being organized, and just thumping everything that comes into the box right back out, that's really hard to play against, especially for a team like Fiorentina that is, because of the way they play, pushing numbers forward, they're always susceptible to counters. Uh, and, and, okay, so I'm, I'm with you there. I'm glad. You're spot, I, I think you're spot on. I'm thinking in a different direction. Oh. Because, because we are so bad at scoring goals. Um, you know, I think coming into the Roma game, like I said, 1.04 goals a game, which is not good. Not good. Enough. Not going to cut it. Anyway. Not great, Bob. Not great, Bob. Um, yeah, I, I think I was doing, I, may, I, I know I was doing one of those games on Twitter 
And I, I remember looking at halftime and, you know, we had something like 74%. Yeah. I mean, an, an absurd amount, like almost 80% of the possession. Um, and we had so many opportunities that we just wasted because we aren't clinical enough to, to put those goals home. And it's not only Cabral. I mean, it's definitely part Cabral. But, you know, we've talked about how Nico, Kone, and, and all those wings, and then also our midfielders, they're not goal scorers. You know, we don't really have a proven goal scorer on the team. Oh, Luke, the, toothless Lucas Torreira leading the way right now with uh, – <laughs> five yeah 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 and, and not great. i mean really the only one that you can count on is you know coming off of a set piece and, and having malenkovich's head send that goal home i mean really that's that's the only thing that you can count on for fiorentina scoring a goal um hey, hey baraki baraki's got four two yeah saying. you know uh, he, the, the, those set pieces that he's done pretty good on and no and, and he's had some amazing yeah. goals your, your point though the fact that the two leading scorers for this team right now or sorry, two of the three, because Nico's up there as well. Uh, you have your holding midfielder who scores goals off of set pieces despite being, uh, you know, fitting in a pocket because he's just scrappy as hell. And yeah. your and a defender are leading the club in goals along with a winger. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. That shows that there is a bigger problem, like structurally in the team. I agree with you. Sorry, sorry to break in. No, I'm just yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you know, I, I, I'm with you. I, I think mentally... You know, we haven't learned to win. We're, we're still trying not to lose these games, which is a big hurdle. Anybody who's played sports and, and especially in a team setting knows that that's something you have to learn and overcome. We did that with Vlahovic last year and coming into this year. I think we had a little bit of a setback coming into this last half of the year because we don't have that person who's going to win the game for us. There, there's no Michael Jeffrey Jordan. There's no Dushan Vlahovic. There, okay, there's, that's, there's, that's maybe a slightly odd comparison, but we'll we'll just let that pass us by. Well, listen, you know, while he was here, <laughs> I, I definitely compared him. Now, since he's gone, you know, he's he's uh, I don't even know what he is at this point. He's dead to us. But but you know, I, I think that that that's a big part of it. Um, however, I, I'm going to say this. You know that that's a tough part of what we've dealt with and why we are where we are needing to still win these games to get to Europe. And I still believe we will. Let, let me take this in a more positive direction, though. If you don't oh, that's mind. That's not what me. we do. No, no, no. We'd never do we're, that. We're get out it. of here. Get out. No, we're doing no. It. And, and it's, it's time that we have to have this conversation. Why else are we in the spot that we are, are in right now? Because I do think that we're overachieving, and Italiano was part of it. You know what else is the other reason why I think that we are where we are? About re about ready to to qualify for Europe. I'm listening. Do you remember? And everybody does that four nil blowout just a couple weeks ago to Udinese. No, 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 no. Doesn't doesn't ring a bell. Nope, 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 nope. Getting hammered up and down the pitch during that game. I've never. In my life, during a 4-0 loss at home, heard a stadium as loud as it was. I've never heard an entire stadium singing in unison, cheering on a team that is getting run out of their home pitch. And what normally happens 
after a game, you always see the players walking all the way over to, to the uh, Corva Fiasole as they're going to go down the stairs. Not one, not one. There wasn't anybody who left that Corva. The flags were all still going. The, the fans with their banners were up in the air. People were still climbing the fences, and they were louder than you could ever imagine a stadium being at Juventus as they're winning a championship. That, I, I, I just feel like it needs to be brought up. Italiano has been great. We, uh, players have overachieved, especially since Dujon was sold in, in January. But do not, for one second, overlook the impact that those fans have had on this season. Those Corvo Fiasole, the Viola Clubs, the Ultras that are there, they are the most amazing fans. Nobody will ever convince me of anything otherwise the most amazing fans in Serie A, and they have been one of the biggest drivers for propelling us into Europe, which I do believe we will get with a win tomorrow. They are a big reason why, and and they deserve all the credit in the world, and and that needs to be said. Okay, actually, yeah. You know what? I was was worried you're about to get too positive, and we can't have that around here. (laughs) That that I am with you. I think, I mean, you know, Italiano versus Yakini really different but also let's not forget that uh having for the past two years there were there were not fans in this in the stadiums yep and as soon as as soon as we can get fans back in the franchi all of a sudden fiorentina's competing for europe i mean i'm no expert on causation and correlation however i think there is something there i think you're right and so yeah no i think that's a great point uh, I mean, I know that we've talked with some of the folks who hang out in the Curva. Uh, we've talked with a bunch of the Viola clubs. And yeah, yeah, the fans in the stadium. And I mean, also the fans who can't get to the stadium. Like, here we are stuck in the U.S., right? Yep. You know, here I am locked in a bunker. I can't go to the stadium. But I, I think we, that... We won't tell anybody where it is either. Please don't. Ed, the yeah, top secret is classified. Mm-hmm. But I, yeah, I mean, just like seeing the... Uh, like seeing the viola club indonesia banner at the games has been incredible to me too and just shows you how far this team reaches and how many people it's touched which like why else do we do sports man right like other if it's not to feel like we're part of something bigger and when you have fans who are so so devoted and like look at some of the tifos they've produced in the past few weeks the dante one in the copa italia was unreal the uh the da vinci inspired one for rome pretty fine also so yeah no i'm i'm real happy wrapping this up with uh wrapping up this segment with you shouting out the fans well well done mike uh, well done well done indeed all right well uh let's let's get through this uh this last little section here and do our usual uh shout out uh players on loan from the primavera and from Fiorentina femminile and let's just get through it real quick uh, I'm going to say, yeah, it looks like we might be in agreement on this one. As I look at the running order, I was going to, I was going to flag up, uh, Luca Ranieri, who was unbelievable for Salernitana in the, in their win over Fiorentina. He was fantastic. Did not put a foot wrong. Uh, gave Nico Gonzalez absolute hell. I, yeah, I, I mean, we could talk about Shimon Zhukovsky, who's also been mm-hmm. good, scored a couple of goals recently, but I think that Luca Ranieri is the one I really want to talk about here. You, you want to you do some Luca talk? Yeah, and, and think about it. 
both of these players have a potential of coming back. I think at this point, everybody thinks that Big Z is going to have an opportunity to come back and play in that midfield. And I'm very excited for that. But oh, God, I don't yeah. really think that we've given Ranieri the the uh, the respect, I guess, at this point. Uh, I, I would say that he's pleasantly surprised me um, with the amount of minutes, with uh, also the success he's had on the pitch and then going head-to-head with us. I mean, he's definitely had an impact. He showed he's, some attitude, man. He's feisty yeah. against yeah. his parent he took, club. He took he, a knock. He took a knock. And oh, he was. Going. He had some fire in him. I mean, that was. I mean, again, I don't really like watching Fiorentina lose, but Ranieri was as big a piece of that as anyone. Yeah. I. Here's a question: Is he? We have some gaps, right? Is is he is he Cristiano Baraghi's backup next year? Is he better than Alexa Tercic? As Tercic, uh, am, am I the only one that's not impressed with him yet? I'm not a Tercic guy, frankly. Okay, all right. So I, I think that we're both on the same page with, with Tercic. Yeah. Um, I mean, good, good player, but I, I don't think he's at that level yet. I think he needs a year or two on loan if he's going to get there. I, I, I would have never thought that I would have said this, and I'll be completely honest. Rain, Here we Rain, go. He's, he's really surprised me, really impressed me. And I think if he brings that same attitude of needing to prove his parent club that he's a good player, when he comes back, take him. Take, and he has a lot of he has a lot of flexibility on that back line as well. Yeah, I think that he can slot in several different places. Yeah, as as that back line has a lot of change that will be happening next year. Yeah, I mean, look at where he's played for Slater Tommy. He's played on the left of a back three he's played in the middle of a back three he's played as a left wing back mm-hmm. he he's so he's very versatile i think he's a really good player i've i mean not to brag too much but i'm gonna go ahead and brag here i i called him being a guy who this year was going to be make or break for him and i really liked him i think yeah. he, he times a sliding tackle in the box as well as anyone i've ever seen he does that every i feel like every game i watch him like I've watched, I don't know, maybe a half a dozen Salamitana games this year to watch him. Every game, I feel like he goes to ground in the box on the tackle and just cleanly takes it away. He's his timing on the tackle is fantastic. He's still not the most athletic guy. He's not super no. quick. Uh, he's not super strong, but he's just always in the right place. And he's a gamer. Like those are the guys yeah. you want. I think he would be such a good backup to Biragi. Absolutely. So yeah, if, man, if if Baragi's the starter next year, right? If if Baragi's the starter, which I think he probably will be, but no, I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm glad we, I'm glad we both came down on Ranieri for that one because yeah, I shouted him out I think uh, a podcast or two ago, but I'm I'm hoping that everyone else, after seeing how he played for Salernitana in that game, is is on the same page now too. Uh, Primavera, uh, who you got? Two goals, three games. The, the goal that. The, the the goal that actually won won the cup yeah 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 uh man it, it, talk about and and this is one of those things where i think that there's another conversation to be had in here but uh especially this year for the primavera there, there's been players ups downs but you know different people peaking at different times giovanni cordini right now is, is peaking at the yeah. right time and getting a lot of publicity 19 years old you know, so one of those players that's kind of on that fringe, what does he do next? Um, you know, de- definitely in, in, in opportunities that he needs to seize, you know, a Copa game, 
uh, seized the moment and, uh, you know, in, in a loss also scored another goal, but, um, you know, he's, he's making the most out of his opportunities yeah. when he's given them and, and, and I'll give it to him, man. I'm, I'm impressed by what I'm seeing. Uh, and any thoughts by you, who do you have? Uh, no, just with Corradini, just to keep going. I mean, he's the team captain too. And man, he has got a wicked left foot on him. He's, I like watching him play. I mean, he's still, he's still adjusting to playing that defensive midfield role. I think he was, he was a 10. Like he played as a as a trequartista until this this year, so he's still learning the uh, the ins and outs of how to how to play that role. So I don't I don't think he's ready to play for Fiorentina next year. But yeah, he's I was not convinced by him at the first half of the year. Like you said, but boy, has he grown immensely. And yeah, I think maybe in a year or two, he really could be a good one. Uh, I'm going to shout out another guy who, uh, speaking of defensive midfielders out of position, Dimo Krausev. <laughs> Uh, this one's for you, Hisanka. Uh, <laughs> I was really, really, really unimpressed with Dimo Krostev for most of this year. Uh, he yeah. he was transitioning into a into a role in central defense. I thought his positioning was bad; like he seemed slow, hesitant, uncertain. In the past couple of months, he has been. I think he might be the best player for the Primavera. In the past couple of months, maybe Elion Tocci or Tocci, I still don't know how to pronounce that guy's name, for which I apologize. Uh, maybe even Andonov, who's also had a couple of wobbles recently in, in goal. Krostev's been incredible. Uh, he's finally caught his physicality up to uh, up to an understanding of the game. He showed a a really really good passing range. Uh, he can he can hit a ball to seventy yards and drop it right onto someone's foot. He's He's got that passing range, which means he's useful in possession. He's also created a bunch of chances by stepping way, 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 way forward from the back, like <laughs> pre, like pre, like chasing strikers all the way, like when they drop deep, like almost to their own box. There is all six foot 19 of Dimo Krostev chasing them and just giving them everything they want. I think he's... For a guy who I thought was going to need another year or two, uh, I think he might be closer to ready for the first team than I thought. But at what position? I think central defense. You're keeping him there. I yeah, I think so. I think he's okay. really, really grown into it. And that, Does especially he value there. I don't think so. No. Okay. I mean, a, I mean, a really, really, really good center back, especially yeah. one who is that big and that athletic, is worth everything. Yeah. I think. I mean, look at uh, Kaladu Kulibali, Virgil van Dijk. Like defenders like that, you build a team around because they can oh, do everything. And I absolutely. think that, I mean, I'm not saying that Dimo Krausev is Virgil van Dijk or Kaladu Kulibali, right? Because that, that would be stupid. I have never said anything stupid in my life. However, <laughs> <laughs> however, no, I think that he he's the kind of guy who could get there. Uh, the, the fact that he's really turned his season around after a rough start, I think, shows a lot of mental fortitude. It shows that he's got the right kind of attitude to improve, to not let mistakes get him down, to really keep his nose to the grindstone and improve himself. I think, I mean, I think realistically, he probably needs a year on loan, probably Serie B, uh, maybe the lower reaches of Serie A. I think he also tends to look a little bit better in a back three than as a one of two center backs at this point. But I think that's just learning for him right now. And I think he'll, I think he'll get there. And that's, that's what that loan year will be for. But yeah, I think like another year or two, 
get ready to see him in the first team. I'm calling it. What what does some of this transition say to you about Aquilani now? I mean, it, it's so weird, right? Like four straight Coppa Italia, right? Yeah. Which which has never been done before. That is, Fiorentina are the first team to win four straight cups at Primavera level. No one has ever done that. Going back to the when the competition started in the seventies, never happened. So Aquilani, like clearly, this isn't a fluke, right? He's a good coach. However, Fiorentina just ended the season with four straight losses to yep. knock themselves out of the playoff. So they're not. I mean, I I, I, I don't know, man. There. As yeah. they were sitting there. I don't know, man. I mean, he's clearly a good coach. Like the players talk about him and like him, admire him, respect him, speak well of him. He makes he's, a move like this with, with Krostev. Yeah, and with Corradini too. Uh, I, yeah, there, he's had a couple of decisions that I haven't liked. Uh, his decision to stick with Destiny Egarevba, one of your guys also, as a winger or a wingback rather than a striker, I think has really, really not helped the player develop uh, there have been a couple other guys who I, I don't think he's really helped grow. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think I think we're getting to the point where Aqualani might be looking at jobs at the senior level pretty soon. Interesting. That, that that's the what I've heard through the grapevine. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Now, now I'm I'm just curious. I have a question for you. Uh, you know, oh, we talked about we talked about Crossdev, and you dropped a pretty good one there. You know, potentially ready for the first team. In a year or two, we've also talked about Primavera, four straight Copas. You know, one of the things that I've heard discussed about this uh, winning four straight Copas is that it's great. However, really, what's the purpose of the Primavera? Bring players to the first team, right? Yep. Over the past four years, how many Crossdev? You know, but but are you seeing players that you think are ready for the first team coming out of our Primavera? the way that they used to be because you know that's that's who we were for a long long time we were the the primavera uh, of people coming and building up yeah no i think that's a really good point that you make uh yeah see the, like yeah these kids winning silverware is awesome mm-hmm. for them and like i i could not be happier for them if you're a teenager yeah. who works that hard for anything you deserve to be commended absolutely but yeah like what does it help the first team I mean, look at Luca Ranieri. He's probably the closest. Well, I mean, aside from Ricky Sotil, he is the closest player currently on the currently on the books to breaking through and, the first team. The, the, both of those players are really a generation even before that, right? Yeah, now, they've been they've been out of the Primavera over these past four years. I, I, I'm just curious, and and I'm I'm glad that you brought Krostev up, and and you think he's ready whether it's next year going on loan a year from now, you know, we're talking about having him in the first team. I'm very concerned when you look at the Primavera and what they've put out there, uh, having any of those players being able to get some, some decent minutes. Yeah. I mean, this is a, I think this is a whole different topic. I think during the summer, I think this is something we're probably going to do an entire episode on is Primavera and like, path to the first team this is something i definitely want to think about a lot during the offseason because you're right this is a this should be of critical importance to fiorentina and And, and, yeah am i right that that we may be concerned i think yeah i think so i think so so it's not just me overreacting 
Well, it is, but I'm I'm right there with you overreacting, man. I really am. Let's overreact together. That's what we do, right? This is this is the content with a capital C that we're aiming for. Yeah. Uh, no, so we're, we're definitely going to dig into that. I think this summer in a in a big way. But yeah, so uh, let's stick a pin in that for a moment. Last question before we transition, and and I think at this point, since he's out of the Primavera and and on loan, you know, a player like Delamora, I haven't heard much positive things about it. Have you heard more? Seen more? Uh, he's what, what are some, your thoughts? Uh, he's had some injuries, I think, that have kind of slowed his progress a little. Which, I mean, that'll happen. That's yeah. that's not really anything he can control. But yeah, I think that because he I was mean, the guy, right? That, that I think everybody was looking to. Yeah, I mean, also defenders, it takes longer to to come around. Like it's just because so much of it is not just skill on the ball. So much of it is understanding, getting reps learning where to be and that that's a skill that you can only do by doing it you can only rather you can only develop by doing the thing over and over and over and so defenders i think tend to emerge much later than attackers so i i, I think dalamura might still be on the right track absolutely but yeah it's it's less exciting with him and i think krostev might have the same thing uh so yeah hope hopefully we'll be checking back in checking back in on those guys pretty soon uh, all right, uh, let's go ahead and wrap this up. Uh, Fiorentina Femminile, who are not getting relegated, which, <laughs> woo! Celebrations, right? Yeah, hey. oh boy, howdy, are we celebrating that. Uh, who's who's your standout performer right now? Goal, goal champ, right? Sabatino. Yeah, okay, yeah, let's go Sabatino. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 I, I, here's the question I would ask. When ever... Um, and this would have to be a person who's up on their stats. When can anybody recall that the goal champ was on a team that was nearly relegated? Last day, got themselves out of relegation. Jeez. Yeah, not, oh boy, 15 goals. Yeah, I mean, good for Daniela Sabatino keeping Fiorentina yeah. from going down. It wouldn't, they would be one hell of a career. I mean, first and foremost, let's celebrate her. Oh, yeah. The career and, that and she's, she's had. And, and she's not done. Not done. Not I done. I mean, like, yeah, after the nukes go off, it's going to be the cockroaches and Daniela Sabatino scoring 18 goals a year. Against like, giant cockroaches. Yeah, uh, probably. Yeah. It's going to be tough. All those legs, if you really got to thread your shots through. I, I guess you have to hope that they're that giant, that their legs are that high. Yeah, I'm kind of thinking of Edgar from uh, from the original Men in Black. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll also flag up uh, someone who I've been fairly impressed with is a uh, Marta Moneki, who I think is mostly played on the left wing and looks like she could be primed for a breakout year next year. I think really fun, quick, tricky, short, dribbly player. I like her a lot. I think she set up a lot of Sabatino's goals. I mean, yeah, she's not Daniela Sabatino, who's a goddamn legend. legend. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's, let's carve her into the sides of cliffs. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So no, let's go Sabatino. All right. What, uh, real quick, real quick, oh, just before oh. I, before I allow us wrap this up, I, I think that we have to do this. Lana Clellan, eleven oh, goals damn. this season. Eleven goals this season. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and, and listen, you know, I, I don't know if your reaction. I'm sure it's because she's doing it outside of Florence. Yep. Uh, but but more importantly, just one of the most amazing people that have played in Florence, played she's at rad. Fiorentina. Uh, coming yeah. back after years of of you know a couple, couple years tough to years injuries yeah 
you know, scoring 11 goals, showing that she still has it, having fun and, and just being, again, an amazing person. It wouldn't be us if we weren't celebrating uh, the season that she had, even if it's not with Fiorentina. An amazing, an amazing, yeah. an amazing year for her. Absolutely. Hats off to Lana Cleveland. She has yeah. she has a, a Florence tattoo on her arm. Yeah. Like she is. If, if management had decided to keep her around, which I really think they should have, because, well, okay, we can talk about that later also. Uh, I think she could have been Fiorentina Femenile's Porta Valero. She could have been the mayor. Lana Cleveland is so cool. And like, oh man, I really wish that I were cool enough to be her friend, but I'm not. But yeah, Lana Cleveland, awesome. Let's try to let's try to set that up. I think I think we should make that make that happen. Uh, I don't know, man. We probably need a translator because she is very Scottish. She is. Maybe we get Giancarlo Rinaldi on here to translate for us. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's. Uh, we're gonna go get in touch with him uh, during this break, but we'll be we'll be back after this with a. Uh, I would say one of our favorite people and one of our least favorite teams. So don't yep. go anywhere. Mm-hmm. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, welcome back, everyone. And for the second segment of this podcast, we're here with, I think, probably the only Juventus fan who we all actually like, the head of our sister site, Black, White, Red All Over, Danny Penza. Danny, how's it going, man? Do I have to answer that honestly, or do you want me to be the jovial one coming in being happy to be here? There's nobody happy here. Yeah, no one's happy. <laughs> no one's ever happy here. You've completely missed the entire tenor yeah. of this of this whole podcast thing, man. We're always super grumpy. So yeah, yeah no, let's let's be grumpy. Super grumpy. That also sums up our podcast lately. So hey, you know, we've got that going for us, which is nice. Yeah, man. So uh, so yeah, not not great times for Juventus really. Which is, I mean, and this is, I think this is a like a matter of perspective, right? Because like, here's Fiorentina might be able to scrape into the conference league and we're all like fairly excited about that here's Juve <laughs> guaranteed champions league and it seems like a lot of people are not real happy so like what's what's gone wrong i guess yeah i i mean that's that's the thing it's like you know we we've obviously we're coming off the the coppa italia final where uh max allegri uh showed his conservative self and you know the the one of the big talking points was obviously that it's the first time in it in, in over a little bit over a decade that Juventus 
didn't win at least one trophy. And it's like, oh, God, you know, a season without a trophy. Okay, well, those have happened before. But, you know, with everything that happened last year, Andrea Pirlo still won two trophies, and Max Legri now has none in his return season. So it's just, yeah, it's been a season of uh, very uh, conservative tactics. Um, as you guys know, uh, a certain large striker going from your end to our end and uh, dealing with those conservative tactics. Sorry, who? And <laughs> Sorry, it doesn't ring a bell. No, no, no. No, no idea. I mean, overall, it's just been a total disappointment. I think you know, we, I, I guess I was optimistic in the sense that I hope Max learned a few things during his sabbatical. He obviously hasn't because like I said, the, the, the defensive shell in which Juventus goes to, it's like, you know, you, you'd expect them to be fighting relegation with the way that they want to sit back and, and defend sometimes. So, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's been a weird season, uh, be it, you know, important players being injured, uh, Allegri clearly not kind of adapting with the times as the rest of the league adapts and, um, just, obviously a, a transition year on top of it all, knowing that uh, the the captain's leaving, the vice captain's leaving, and uh, a summer transfer window where there are going to be a lot of holes that need to be filled. Transfer windows, you mentioned uh, one of those guys that came in during January. Somebody that we used to talk a lot about here glowingly. Uh, not so sure that you've had the same kind of response from the guy since he's been there we 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 saw several looks of uh Dushan, uh certainly not the best most recently made its way around into uh, a non-stop meme what what are the fans uh opinions at this point of Dushan and and the games that he's been able to put together maybe not necessarily the goals but you know what are you guys seeing what is what's the response there i think part of the part of the frustration is that it comes, it circles back to Allegri, right? It's, it's part of the, look, you've got this just absolute, you know, steamroller of a striker who, as you guys saw, when he's clicking, it's, it's good times pretty much every time he steps on the field. And it's a lot of just kind of like almost a number nine from the nineties where it's back to goal hold up play, you know, get it out to the wingers, you know, try and be the the reference point rather than how he was playing for you guys for the first half of the season where he was, just, it just seemed like he was involved in everything and the, the attack was free flowing and, and, and goals were being scored right and left. And I mean, it's just, it, it's, it's frustrating. I would assume for just about everybody who, who has watched Juventus after Vlahovic has, has signed because it's like this this guy can provide so much more and he's just not either getting the service from the midfield that again this season still needs work or just you know a a, a kind of a revolving door of supporting cast up front because of injuries and players being out of form. I mean Alvaro Morata is not nearly having the season he did last year. Paulo Dybala has been in and out of the lineup and injured and obviously dealing with, with his own drama off the field. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think the obvious Allegri part where it's like, look, you need to open up the attack. Even the slightest bit would free up Vlavich to, 
to do some uh, some more stuff and also just the fact of that now it's like you know it, it's almost like you know we we say baseball is kind of like the book is out on a player once they get once they get a scouting report on them and it's like the amount of central defenders who have just basically pulled a Milan Skriniar and just bullied Vlaovic to just to death essentially um is it's just happening week after week after week and the guy the guy looks mentally fried exhausted he looks physically exhausted i mean you know you guys are well aware of the the <laughs> the looks that i'm sure you know in in april and may ha- are, are a little more amusing rather than in october and november so yeah it, it's been a, it's been a, a collective uh group of things that have resulted in him having the struggles relative struggles that he's had but um i mean i i'm trying to keep a positive mindset because I just know, you know, like, like we saw with him the first half of last year and basically all of 2021 when he gets going, it's, it's hard to stop. Yeah. You're, you're saying that a uh, flying winger, Adrian Rabio isn't bringing out his best who could have possibly <sighs> foreseen this. And, and Arthur who can barely pass the ball forward or who has any desire to pass the ball forward. I will say, I would have thought that uh, the last time y'all ended up with a midfielder from Brazil surnamed Melo, you would have learned the lesson, but here we are that, again. That was, that was a different kind of crazy. <laughs> that was a different kind no, of crazy. Just, sorry, I just got a little needle. A little needle. Sorry, sorry, I'm done now, I swear. <laughs> I'm, yeah, sure you are. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, hey, hey Danny, yeah. just, you know, on the, on the Vlahovic topic, you know, you're closer to the fan bases than than we certainly are with Juve. Are, are you getting a sense that the fan base is still playing it, you know, seeing what's going to happen and, and giving him a little bit of a break at this point? You know, five, five goals in 12 games isn't awful, but yeah. I'm sure it's not what you expected either. No, no, I, I, I would. I mean, I personally expected more goals, but again, it's, you know, how much of is, is it Vlaovic struggling and how much of it is, you know, the team around him struggling? Um, I mean, there was a point in March where Max Allegri almost had as many senior players injured as he had available to him. Uh, you know, Juventus could have fielded a pretty solid starting 11 of players who were out injured than what he was fielding. I mean, Tito, you mentioned, uh, you know, Adrian Rabio as a, as a left winger. I mean, that, that was basically out of necessity because nobody else was there. I mean, you know, the, the, the other Fede who came from Florence, he was out injured for a while. Sorry. Chiesa has been out injured for half the season. And I mean, it's just, yeah, the injury situation was as bad as I've seen. And I, I, unfortunately for Vlavic came right as kind of the, the goals started drying up a little bit. And yeah, I mean, I, I would hope that, I mean, I, I might not be as, as plugged into other, fan you know just because as tito knows you know some things i've said have riled some feathers of juventus fans over the last (laughs) years but uh i i think i would think just the talent level alone would have people thinking okay vlavic will come good at some point yeah honestly i think that's probably the case as much as we're enjoying his petulant looks on the bench i think that's very much i mean he's he's a really good player and that's gonna show through eventually you know, it might take another two years of a uh, nine million euro Max Allegri to uh, to really get that. But uh, no, nah, I, I mean he's a really good player. Who are we kidding, right? Uh, I mean, speaking of Allegri, though, what a, uh, I mean, 
we're, we're so full disclosure, we're, we're recording this on a Sunday. Uh, Fiorentina and Juventus, I think, both play tomorrow, yeah, on a Monday, which I hate. Like, no one should be playing on a Monday here. What is this? The NFL? <laughs> this is moronic. Uh, but, you know, we, so we don't know the results. We don't know what that's going to be like. So we're kind of flying into this blind. But what uh, what do you think is going to happen in this uh, this Fiorentina-Juve game to close out the season? We were talking on our podcast uh, this past week about how really we're just ready for the season to be over. I think the Coppa Italia final was really just like, okay, that's the last game we truly care about. Um, I mean, it, it's it's tough because, you know, the, the Champions League spot has already been secured. Third place is basically out of reach at this point. And it's like, okay, well, you know, there's still, still players hurt. There's not – much on the line at all i mean it you know we we've, we've thrown around you know the dead rubber term i don't know how many times over the last few weeks just because it's like well there's there's not much on the line outside of maybe seeing a few youngsters get some playing time and then obviously you know saying farewell to a couple of really important players from the last decade so um i mean outside of that it's like okay we have Vlavic is coming back to florence again but what is there really on the line i don't know i mean it it's you know, Chiellini's last game, it's Dybala's last game as Juventus player. So, I mean, that that's cool, I guess. But, you know, the, the big farewell is going to be against Lazio on Monday. So, yeah, I don't know. It, it's weird because it's, it at least from our end, it's like, okay, it, it's a season finale that really we're kind of looking forward to because that means <laughs> the season's over. I, that's fair. I mean, just getting out of it without any further damage sounds. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, that, that sounds great to me. I mean, and it makes me feel a little bit better going into our game too. <laughs> yeah, this is, uh, I mean, you guys actually have something something to play for, and it's like for us, it's we like, have everything to play for. Yeah, this is I mean, a this is a thing on Viola Nation that we call the Dimitru effect after a, a, a longtime <laughs> commenter. Where at this part of the season, the hardest games are against teams at the bottom of the table who are trying not to get relegated or yeah. who are trying to qualify for something, and everyone who's already qualified for something. They just stop trying, and those games are actually much easier than they look like they should be. I mean, that said, I could still see Juventus uh, finding a way to just rain all over Fiorentina's parade if they can, because that's you know that's kind of our dynamic here, right? So, so like, does, does raining on your parade mean getting up one nothing in the twenty fifth minute and sitting back for the the rest of the game? Yeah, no, that sounds that sounds kind of like the kind of rain we're uh, we're talking about. I mean. <laughs> I mean, we're both from the Pacific. We're, we both live in the Pacific Northwest. Like, we know a thing or two about rain. I feel like. Yes, you uh, so more than I do. That's lovely out there right now. Uh, saw the sun like last week. It's it's it was gorgeous. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no. So yeah, uh, yeah. Looking at looking at this uh, at this Fiorentina Juve game. Who's who's available? How many, how many injuries do Juve have? And is it? Are we finally going to get the? Uh, the Fabio Miretti start that uh, that everyone's calling for. Well, he's gotten a couple of starts, and it sounds like you know, obviously, like you mentioned, we're, we're recording before the the Monday games, and he's going to get another start against Lazio. So I wouldn't be surprised if he if Miretti does start against Fiorentina, which I mean, that's one of the few things we actually kind of have to look forward to uh, in a game from our end that doesn't mean much um i mean it it, it really i mean i've i've been basically writing in our match previews the same you know three four players who've been out the rest of the season uh chiesa mckinney and uh the young brazilian 
Kyle George. So, I mean, it, it, and who knows who Allegri might rest. I know there's a few players he's resting tomorrow. Um, who knows if they, he just says, okay, it's a, you know, it's a meaningless game for us. Why, why risk it? Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's a total guessing game, I think, in terms of <laughs> who might actually play. Um, so, I mean, I, I don't know if, if Keelini is going to play. I don't know if Dybala is going to play. Uh, I would assume Vlaovic is going to play and get hell thrown at him again from, uh, from your fans. So, um, yeah, that seems likely. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that, that's, that's, uh, yeah. Dusan getting some angry jeers thrown his way, I feel like is the only kind of guarantee I, I can, uh, can think about right now. Fair. So you, you think it's, is it going to be the usual four, four, two, or is, is yeah. Max going to go back I mean, to, the, okay. I mean, you don't it, think it, he's going to throw any wrinkles in, go through? No, or no. I mean, it, okay. it's been basically four, four, two or four, four, or four, three, three for the last few months. And, you know, every time you look at it and it's like, Ooh, you know, maybe it's a four, two, three, one. Nah, not really. So, <laughs> you know, there's, there, you know, Ma Max basically gave us a four, two, three, one for like a game and a half and just said, yeah, screw it, whatever. <laughs> Danny, is it, is it fair of me to say that the most fearsome substitution or change to any kind of formation at all would actually be Landucci coming in <laughs> and coaching this game? Yeah, there, there's definitely the, uh, the Landucci hive that is like, see, look at what he does when Max is suspended. <laughs> Goals for that. game go through the roof. It's like, man. Yeah, if, if Juventus beat Lazio like four nothing on Monday, it's going to be like, oh God, here we, here we go again. Landucci is going to, the Landucci, you know, stands are going to come out a lot like the Ronaldo stands came out and be like, look at this. Oh, it, okay, it's not going to be anything like. There is no way it's quite that bad, is it? <laughs> I know. No, it's not. In terms of the number of 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 them, no, not even close. I mean, oh, you, you, oh, you know. You know as as well as anybody what oh boy. Uh, what uh, what our tw our blog Twitter handle went through for a couple oh, of years. Oh man, I still feel bad for you about that too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean there there are definitely the the ones that uh, that are like if Landucci can do it again, then <laughs> why is Max still around? So yeah, I don't oh. know. it's it's it it definitely is uh, a weird sample size in terms of what Landucci has, has done in his, his few games in charge this season. I mean, that, that's like Fiorentina's all-time winningest manager is Vincenzo Guerrini, who I think is uh, one, one, and zero in uh, in interim games literally at the end of the season. So like, yeah, just saying, like, why not just give him the job full-time? Why not? Why not? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, while, while we're talking about Fiorentina legends like, like Vincenzo Guerrini, probably ought to go ahead and bring up uh, – one of Fiorentina's most famous players, Giorgio Chiellini, who really has become a legend for Italy as a uh, as a viola player, and then moved. Uh, I don't remember where for I don't know, like two decades after that. Uh, how, how are you feeling about about Chiellini moving on, man? Is it just going to be too like too wacky to to see him without him? It's uh, you know, it, it's it's something that I've been expecting the last few years because. I mean, obviously, when his age gets up there, it's it's pretty much a given that retirement's coming at some point. And obviously, he might go to the the U.S. for for a year or two and and see things out there. But um, yeah, I mean, just with his injuries and everything, it's kind of like you, you almost wish he would retire just so he's not kind of 
he goes to MLS and he, he gets hurt within a couple of weeks and then he's out for like a month and he's basically playing the game he's played the last few years with Juventus where he's, he's out of the lineup more than he's in the lineup. But yeah, I mean, the, the, the thing that hit me the most was I saw a picture actually a few minutes before I signed on with you guys. And it was of, uh, it was Claudio Marchisio, Gigi Buffon, Chiellini and Stefan Liechtensteiner, all the guys who had been, you know, the kind of like the core four who had been at this at Juventus throughout, I think it was like the first six titles in a row. I can't remember the exact number or maybe it was five. And it was, it was almost kind of like that, uh, and back to the future where kind of the dis- disappearing of the family members <laughs> and Michael J. Fox has to kind of, you know, he's, he, the whole photo has almost disappeared completely before he starts playing, you know, Johnny B. Good. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and, uh, you know, it was, it was almost like that where it's like, you know, now Chiellini stepping away is, you know, that final family member disappearing. Um, I mean, Tito, as you know, you know, Gigi Buffon is the reason why I'm a Juventus fan. So that one hit me the hardest twice um and you know Chiellini you know he's just such a lovable personality that it it's hard for it's hard for anybody to really see him step aside because he's meant so much for the country for the national team as well so uh yeah I mean it it's he's gonna get I'm glad that he's gonna get his lap of honor with a full stadium because he deserves it I mean he's He's such a unique player in this day and age that, you know, you just don't see much of them any players like him anymore. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's interesting that, you know, the captaincy as Allegri said in his press conference earlier today, will go from Chiellini to Bonucci, just knowing how Bonucci has been very, you know, been one of the key cogs of, of those beginning title teams. And then he left and now he's come back and basically had to kind of try and build his rapport with, with the, with the fans again, but, yeah, it, it's it's going to be weird not seeing Giorgio Chiellini as a Juventus player because he's basically been one ever since I've been a fan of the team. So, yeah, it's yeah, it's, it's weird. No, it's I mean, as much as we like to make fun of everything Bianco Nero, I think uh, I, oh, I'm sorry, I won't speak for you, McMike, but for me, I, I do have nothing but respect for Chiellini. Uh, the the way that he led the, the Fiorentina Nash- legend, Giorgio Fiorentina legend, Giorgio Chiellini, the, the way that he led the. Uh, led the team back for Davide Astori's funeral uh, after oh, yeah. they were in London to play Spurs, I thought was just such a, a an absolutely wonderful gesture and really sums up who he is as a person. And like, you know, as much as I want to make fun of him for being a nose on a stick, like <laughs> I, 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 I can't say anything bad. Like he, he seems like a, probably a, a guy with his head on. Right. And so, yeah, honestly wish him nothing but the best uh, far, far away from Italy. Uh, probably with Toronto, right? Because that seems to be where Italian stars the, go the now. The rumor lately has been LAFC, which will be interesting huh. because, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily associate Chiellini with kind of the LA lifestyle. So doesn't I don't know. quite fit. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, unless you oh might be trying to get in like a movie studio or something. With considering he's got the econ degree, you never know. I didn't know that. I yeah. can see him as a you know action star, <laughs> crossing over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stunt, stunt man. <laughs> him and Jason Statham together with those with those bald heads. I can see it. Oh, I kind of like, like that. You know, a, a modern day twins. I kind of like that. <laughs> All right. 
Well, yeah, man. Uh, let's see now. Yeah, what else do we have to talk about here? Well, I'd see. I, I was. I'm still just caught up on the fact that he's talking about Chiellini, who's been there forever, as the captain, and now he's going to transfer that to Benucci. And I'm thinking for myself, like Fiorentina, we have all those issues all the time, you know. Like yeah, yeah. captain oh, to stay boy. here so long, and they're just so great <laughs> and and story, and then it's just like, oh. well, which legend do we give it to next? Oh, yeah, boy, and uh, same issues. Uh, Coker, <laughs> uh, Jose Cajon or Sasha Coker and Shirley. Um, oh man, Cyril Tirios. I, I think we could bring back. him out of retirement. Yeah, yeah. I, I will say going to Leo Benucci, who you know, very good player, all that. Yeah, you were talking about his relationship with the fans kind of breaking down after that move to Milan. You know, it's not really all his fault. It's like 50 50 him and them. That's, I think, is probably how he would. Oh. And- Come on. See what you did there. Yeah, so I can't. Uh, yeah, as much as I admire Chiellini Benucci, I don't quite feel the same way about. Yeah, some, sometimes he needs to. And it's ironic that I'm saying this on a podcast where I'm talking, but sometimes he needs to learn when to talk and when not to. A, a wonderful gift for all of us, really. Uh, yeah, you call it a gift. I, I'll call it something else. Yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, I don't know. Do we? Yeah, do we really have a whole lot else to uh, to get into here? I feel like that pretty much sums up what we've got going. Uh, yeah. I mean, if we want to rub salt in the room, we can talk more about Kiesa or something. But then again, ah, uh, no, he's a nice young boy. He doesn't deserve it. I mean, no, no one deserves to to be injured. In fairness, I'll, uh, no, I'll, I'll go. I'll go, Team Danny here. Uh, <laughs> Thank you, Tito. <laughs> Safe space, man. Us, us West Coasters got to stick together against these uh, brutal East Coast people, you know? That's right. Uh, yeah, no, I feel like that's pretty much about about it, man. Thanks for... Just do uh, us thanks. a favor. Beat Lazio tomorrow. Please. Beat Lazio tomorrow. Pull out that 4-0. Give, give him the, uh, the laugh that he needs. Have all the stars. Have great games. Pull them out. Make sure Allegri comes back next week. And, you know, bring up that Primavera and have them start against us on Sunday. I actually have one question for you guys, since he is a former Fiorentina player. I'll I'll turn it back on you. Oh, let's do this. Did you expect Federico Bernardeschi to be this bad at this age? Well, we hexed him. It was was like a lot of voodoo stuff that was going on. I mean, do, do you know how many how many roosters we had to bury out front of his house, man? <laughs> so many roosters. Uh, honestly, he he always seemed like he was more of a provincial player to me. Uh, I never thought that he was the kind of guy who was going to really soar on a big team. Just stylistically, he never seemed like that kind of guy. He's he's not he doesn't have the athleticism. I don't think he quite has the technique. I don't think he. I mean, or the again, attitude. Yeah, I was going to say, and I don't know the guy, so I can't really say, but I don't think he's got the attitude. Yeah, a lot of uh, arrogance there. Yeah, I thought that he moved, he tried to move too too far too quickly. And I think that he's kind of paying the price for that now, becoming a, a, a I mean, almost a meme for you, it feels like, even though he's been a, 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 I mean, I would say what, a steady contributor over the past year, maybe? Yeah. Uh, steady might be a little too generous. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. He's, but, I mean, had, he's, he's had moments this year. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, he's, start, he's, he's, he kind of had that. You know, we, we talk about the kind of the new manager bounce. He had the post Euro bounce yeah. where for probably the first month and a half, two months, he was actually pretty good. But 
then he got injured and just it just went yeah, in the tank. I, I mean, he never really showed the consistency, I think. And he's yeah, I think he's I think he's always been more of a moments player than a a guy who can really dominate a full 90 minutes. Yeah, I, I don't so know I, anybody in Fiorentina or Florence that really missed him when he left. Now, Chiesa Vlahovic, completely different story. But Bernadeschi, like, people were just, you know, ready to kick him in the ass on the way out. I mean, I think, <laughs> uh, I think a lot of that, too, is the way that he forced yeah. his way out with the yep. uh, gastroenteritis. I mean, he certainly burned some bridges, but I don't think that we – I don't think that most fans thought he was at the same level that Chiesa or Vlahovic were. What are you guys hearing on Chiesa? When's he coming back? I heard it was a little bit delayed at this point. Uh, yeah, I think the hope is still the beginning of next season, um, which I can't remember with the World Cup being when it is. I can't remember when that was, is. Oh, God. Yeah. I was so. about to say, oh, no, he's going to miss the World Cup now. <laughs> uh, and it sounds like he's not going to miss the uh, the now defunct U.S. US uh, tournament, Tito. So. Oh, the, the, oh, what is that? The, like the intercon. International Intercontinental no, the, Champions the, League, or the remember how Serie A was reportedly planning a, a U.S. tournament during the World Cup because there's so many Italians in the league and oh, they wouldn't have anything to do. God, yeah, yeah, they're gonna. Oh boy, but sounds like a blast. apparently that's been put on hold. But yeah, I, I think going back to Chiesa, yeah, I think it's the beginning of the season, and hopefully uh, the schedule isn't too congested where. Um, you know, he can be allowed to slow play it a little bit and not, um, not risk any, uh, aggravation you know, yeah, of that injury, aggravation of the injury. And whole, I get, uh, I mean, I know that, you know, knee injuries are, you know, recovery time is a lot quicker than they used to be, but you know, I, you, I mean, you the, never truly know what, what they're going to be like those first. Rossi. Rossi, yeah. He came back. And then Rossi, yeah. yeah. I mean, hopefully, uh, Hopefully, you know, say, you know, January, he's kind of looking like the player of old again. So, yeah, you know, I mean, you, do you think he's, you think he's going to have that same explosiveness he did? I hope so. I mean, it, it's hard to say because, I mean, as we know, our, our, our good buddy over at Chiesa di Totti, he's, he's dealt with knee injuries galore. So yeah. he'd probably be the better person to ask. But, That's, yeah, we can get um, Brent on for that. And I mean, honestly, you look at, you know, the two most recent knee injuries like Chiesa's had for Juventus players, they're just to two totally different players on the age spectrum where Chiellini was one and then Matty Demerol, who's now obviously, you know, at Atalanta. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I, I mean, he's obviously he's uber talented and he's yeah. that explosion that you mentioned, that explosiveness is just such a huge part of his game that you hope it comes back because that just allows him to do what he does. I'd be, yeah. I wouldn't be as much worried about the explosiveness. It's, it's the cutting that he does. Yeah. Cutting on that knee is where you're going to worry about, is it going to stand up to that type of pressure that he puts on his joints? That That's the concern, I think. I mean, I, I think it probably will. I mean, medical science, like Danny said, has advanced so much. It's just, it takes guys so long to be able to count on that joint again, you know, like, uh, I mean, you know, slightly different players, perhaps on slightly different trajectories, but like, look at Christian Kwame for Fiorentina. It took him so long to get over that knee injury. Like he physically mentally. he was there, but mentally, you know, you're never sure if that knee's going to give out. That can take a yeah. whole another year. I mean, mm -hmm. I remember when I was playing like college sports, like that was a that was a thing for people. So yeah, I mean, good luck to him. I mean, you you never want anyone to 
go out hurt. And I hope he's on the field for uh, for Fiorentina to thump Juve like seven to nothing. I just I just hope he misses at one or both of the trips to the Olympico. That would be nice. Just yeah, that well, that get that's to Rome, a, no, no, not even risk it in terms of going back to Rome. Just that, that is such a cursed feel. How many? What what are the what they, they just put thumbtacks exactly. in there or something? What is going on with that field, man? Another <laughs> one we need to ask Brad once he finishes boiling his broccoli and chicken thighs. <laughs> you just couldn't. You just couldn't. I can't uh, resist. Couldn't wait to get that reference. I can't you. resist. It's so funny to me. Uh, all right, Danny. I think that's it, man. Thanks for coming on, dude. Really, really appreciate having you here. Yeah. I know, I know everyone at VN loves it when you show up. So, uh, thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, maybe, maybe next to... time my cat will stop by. I would. We would be honored. That was really who we were hoping to get. Sun, you were just Sunday a nap. I, I, I can't. I can't disturb the Sunday nap. One of twelve. <laughs> I'm jealous. <laughs> me too. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Danny. See you around, right, man. Thank you. Viola Station is hosted by Mike and Tito. Producer Mike produced this episode. Our theme song is Great Catch by Windchime Weather. Check them out at windchimeweather.bandcamp.com. Viola Station is the podcast from violanation.com. Viola Nation is part of the SB Nation Network. Forza Viola. Podcast Network.